The following episode is one of 10 sample programs podcast as a public service of FocusedPassion.com. Get an even higher education, including courses in personal empowerment and self-mastery at FocusedPassion.com. Remember the ED, that's FocusedPassion.com. Welcome to another episode of our personal empowerment audio program, Finding Yourself in Paradise. Hi, I'm Michael Bennett. And I'm Steve Snyder. And our program today takes us far beyond casual conversation and small talk into that kind of conversation where both people really are willing to give up the need to be right in order to really understand where the other person is coming from. This is a kind of conversation, a higher order of conversation we call reflective communication. One of the curiosities of thinking and its relation to your emotional nature is the need for us to really feel safe and relaxed to access the higher brain functions that cognition and creative thinking and intuition really require. Said the other way, if we don't feel safe and we think there's some danger out there or we're just confused and there's a potential perhaps for danger out there, then we give up these higher mental functions or brain functions and revert to just fight or flight. So there's a trade-off there. That means in really important relationships at work or at home with your spouse, for example, or parents with their kids and vice versa, the times when we really need to be heard and understood learning to listen and understand and play that back to each other. That's what we're going to talk about, reflective communication. This is what people often go to therapists or counselors to learn to do for themselves. And a good counselor will teach you to do it rather than create a dependence, I think. So we're going to teach you how to do this. And if you need help, go to a therapist or a counselor. But these are some of the important concepts and uh, tips, if you will, of how to get yourself heard and understood rather than win the argument. I think that's where it really starts. Steve, if there were an alternative to winning an argument with your spouse, what would that be? You know, you really can't win an argument with your spouse because if Bill Cosby said, if you ever do win an argument with your spouse, apologize immediately. You know, you can't really win an argument with somebody that's on your team because when a member of your team loses, the team loses. There you you know, it, it doesn't feel good to have a teammate lose. And if you see your spouse as a teammate, then that's not really winning. What you want to do is create a win-win scenario, not a win-lose scenario. And, and that doesn't mean that... One person can't be ultimately correct and the other person incorrect in their understanding of facts in terms of that kind of right or wrong. But in the kind of right or wrong is vanilla ice cream better than chocolate ice cream, you've got to allow for the fact that there's personal truth and both, both sides can be right. So there's this ability we need to have to transcend our emotional outbursts and create a structured conversation to get things handled. You know, when, when things matter, when things are going astray or we really need to figure something out or we really need to handle something and I need to really know where you're coming from and you really need to know where I'm coming from because without that information, how could we create a win-win? If I don't know what a win is for you, I can't help create one and, and the same for you. So we have to have a way of using our emotions appropriately not and managing them appropriately in our conversation where there's your turn and my turn and we don't talk over each other and we don't fight and we don't need to be right. It's not me against you. It's you and me against this issue. And that's what we have to come to. The, we need a way of making it. It's not me against you. It's we're on the same side of the table and the problem, the issue, the thing, that's over there. And how are we going to fix that? There certainly are a number of entry points, all kinds of people who hold themselves out as counselors or therapists or personal development trainers. But regardless of the entry point, what comes up again and again are people who approach it as if it were, I don't know, Judge Judy or Judge Watner, and they want to find out who's right, and they're going to make an appeal isn't it reasonable to believe that blah, 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 or don't I deserve this in the relationship as if that's what the argument is about? Usually what we seem to be arguing about are symptoms and that, in fact, the disagreement is deeper 
and compounded by the fact that we're trying to be right. And we really don't want to be right. We just think we want to be right. What we really want is to be understood. And that requires enough understanding to ask somebody, do you understand how I feel in this situation? It's a communication skill. This is where most couples counseling has to begin is understanding this is not adjudication, this is mediation, and what we're looking for here is not who's right or wrong, but how can we facilitate understanding, rapport, empathy, if not sympathy, certainly empathy, and then to be able to play that back so that each person in the relationship feels the other one really understands my feelings? Well, check this out. If you felt heard and understood, would you care if they still disagreed? Now, some are saying yes, okay, maybe (laughs) in some situations that might still be of concern. My argument is 80 to 90% of the time, that won't matter at all. You don't care if they disagree. You just wanted to be heard and understood all along. Yeah, and not be made to feel like you're wrong. You know, that's, I mean, it's like at the expense of their feeling right, you have to be, quote unquote, in their eyes at least, wrong. And and so, and of course, they're wrong for making you wrong. And so now it's two sides. It's, it's a you against each other. And that's not the nature of making a relationship work. That's the nature of, of adversaries or opponents or or competition, but that's not, you're on the same team here, on the same side here. So it's, how do we make this work? Well, it has to start with, as Michael said earlier, you got to feel safe. You know, you, you have to make this place, this conversation we're about to have feel safe. So the, the only way to really make a conversation feel safe is if, well, starting with the basics, both people tell the truth. You know, because if if you don't tell the truth, you don't feel safe. Whenever you lie, you don't feel safe. I mean, that's what lie detectors measure. They don't measure, oh, that's a lie. They measure, oh, you don't feel safe saying that because that's what they measure. And, of course, anytime you're afraid of being lied to, you'd be a fool to be safe. You know, you got to be wary. you got to be on edge. So the only way to truly feel safe is to know you're going to tell the truth and the truth is going to be told to you. Now, that being said, there's another great skill that we have to master in terms of this kind of conversation that some people aren't real good at. And that is conversation includes talking and listening. It It also includes listening and learning how to listen is one of the most important parts of this whole process of reflective communication. Especially if you know that the facilitator, the counselor, or whomever is going to ask you to play it back. And as the couple becomes independent and learns these skills, then we'll have that expectation of each other. Okay, now that I've spilled my heart to you and and risked becoming vulnerable and sharing with some I feel statements, are you going to take advantage of that and stomp me down and use that to prove how bad and wrong I am, or am I going to get that played back with, you know, just something as basic as, hey, I can understand how you'd feel that way. Now, the challenge in all of this, of course, is to avoid interrupting yourself when you're speaking or even those voices in your head when you're listening to the other person with a mental argument. The goal has to be as you move into this process, reflective communication, to exchange I feel statements, all right? So let's be clear. Steve's talking about the need to be safe so that your emotions are calm, and then you can see their reflection. Think about it. If you were in a boat or standing on a pier and the water was choppy, even just a A few wind waves would make it difficult to see what's reflected on the water. Well, the watery nature of your emotions is similar. If they're undisturbed, they will reflect an understanding that you can then share with your partner. And instead of the you statements that are so accusatory and put the other one on the defensive, you can actually learn to make I feel statements with the intention of getting that played back to you. And understand that undisturbed anger doesn't mean an absence of anger. It means anger that's so pure and so clear that you can see right into it and understand the hurt beneath it that's causing the anger and even maybe the fear beneath that hurt. The clearer, the calmer the anger is. That doesn't mean less of it. You can have enormous amounts of anger, but 
managed from the big picture, from like stepping back and seeing it from above, looking down at it, you know, like not being in it, but being aware that you are having that feeling. From that perspective, you can have all the anger in the world, but you can see it clearly and calmly. And that's what you must do. You must have these conversations from that place. You don't make yourself less angry. You make yourself more in charge of your anger and more managing to keep that anger calm so you can see deep within it. It's an excellent point. For example, if we were in a room with two angry individuals and one was just sitting there silently doing a slow burn, but you could tell that he or she is really angry. And here's another person that's equally as angry, but they are willing to say out loud, I am very, very angry, man. I am really angry. Well, who is it safer to be with? See? I'll take the angry of the person that can verbalize it any day over the person that is so freaked out that they threw the switch to the off position. That's that's a time bomb there, you know. Yeah, because if it comes on, it may come on full volume with, with uh, adrenaline and loud and violent. and. So the ability to name the feeling and to identify with the feeling requires first that you be calm enough to feel the feeling and be able to verbalize it, but... To say it out loud, even before it's understood by your partner and played back, just to say it out loud, you know, I'm really upset, right? Not you make me angry, but I'm angry. That's a real important distinction. Yeah, because once you stick with those I am statements and you get out of blame and you get out of putting fault elsewhere, it becomes safer for the other person to listen to. You're not attacking them. When you're talking about how you feel, and not you made me feel, but this is how I feel, and they know that their job is to listen and understand as best as they can, not to agree, just to listen and understand, and then let you know they did hear and understand. You know, if that's the intention of this conversation, now now we can get down to what are you really feeling and what am I really feeling, and is the problem here what we're talking about. I mean, is it, is it that, you know, you want to do it this way and I want to do it that way? Or is it that I'm mad at you about something big else that the elephant in the living room we're not talking about, or you're mad at me and being passive aggressive, or I'm mad at you and I'm losing my time. And we're just picking this thing to fight about. You see, we can get beneath all that stuff with a kind of structured conversation that that starts with talking about what I feel, knowing you're not like jumping on me or using that app for ammunition against me. Your job is to listen to what I feel and then to tell me and prove to me you heard what I feel so that I know you were listening to me. You weren't plotting what you were going to say. You weren't thinking of like how you're going to use this against me. I know what you must have been doing was really listening to what I was feeling. And I'm not asking you to feel it. I'm just asking you to listen to it and let me know you really did hear me. Consider every feeling has at least two parts, the part that's done to you and the part that comes out of you, all right? One is a stimulus and one is a response. Most people, when they talk about the feeling, are talking about the stimulus. You made me feel this way, right? I trusted you and you broke my heart. You did this to me. I'm a victim. Well, that puts the other person on the defensive. They're going to play a similar role. That puts you on the defensive. Here's the problem. It's a lot like the mutually assured destruction of a nuclear scenario and the MAD policy from the 60s that we know if anybody starts a nuclear war, everybody dies. There's no way to win. There's no defense against nuclear war. Well, marriage is the same way, or any kind of partnership or spousal communication. When it becomes challenging and filled with conflict, you have this natural tendency to be on the defensive just because of the way you frame the argument and state your feeling as if it's only about the stimulus and what you did to me, don't you see? If instead we can talk about the response... Now the statement begins with I feel, but you've got to have a feeling. You've got to be able to feel. You've got to be able to go deeper than just the rage of anger to the hurt underneath the anger, for example, and say, well, I'm angry because I've been hurt again and again. There's something here that's not getting resolved. Oh, my goodness, my anger is really a lot of pent-up hurt that is finally over the top, right? The dam broke now, and I'm really angry, and 
But if we could look at the hurt, and then if we could look even deeper at that, and you don't have to be Freud to do this. Sometimes it does help to go out and hire a counselor or a therapist to help you wade through the issues. And believe me, we've all got issues. People say they don't have issues, even if they are therapists. The best therapists always have therapists. Everybody's got their issues. Everybody can benefit from learning more about themselves. Indeed, that's what this whole series is about. So wouldn't it make sense then, when there's conflict in a relationship, to make your contribution more about yourself than about what your partner is doing to you? I mean, isn't the typical argument, I'm going to tell you about you until I pause for a breath and then you're going to tell me about me? Doesn't that seem backwards? Like, shouldn't I be talking about the way I feel and then giving you an opportunity to talk about how you feel? Because there's no defense in nuclear war and because there's no way to defend yourself against hurtful words, the best way to avoid them is to avoid the sentences that start with Y-O-U and talk about the response, not just the stimulus. But as a result of the situation we find ourselves in, I'm feeling really angry. In fact, this really hurts. In fact, it really reminds me of a time when I, and now that I think of it, that really didn't have anything to do with you at all. This is sort of old, and I guess it feels like you're just poking me in some old sore spot that I've carried all the way along. Well, who wouldn't empathize with that and, and sympathize with that? And now you got exactly what you wanted, and you didn't change the other person a bit. So it starts with the concept of this is a conversation that needs to be different than my other conversations have been. Like we're going to stop doing that stuff we were doing, which was starting to get into this arguing, starting to – I'm starting to feel my anger bubble up. I'm starting to notice that I'm going to say stuff I'm going to regret. Before, right, right there, I want to say time out. We need to have a different kind of conversation now. We need to have one of these – reflective communication conversations. We need to sit down and say, your turn, my turn. I listen while you talk. You listen while I talk. No calling names. No talking about what the other person is feeling. Talk about what you're feeling and see if we can get understood. It's time for one of those. We're not saying life should be only those kind of conversations. We're saying before things get bad, you know, before things get tough, go go there before you start really fighting. You know, you can avoid a lot of fighting. You can avoid a lot of arguing with one simple rule that my wife and I love, which is whenever we disagree, whoever it's more important to gets to decide. So instead of like trying to prove my side's right or her side's right or her side's wrong, what I what we do is say, I want to ten how important it is to you. And she goes, oh, well, this is sort of important to me. It's maybe a seven. I go, well, you know, really, it's only a three to me. You do it. You get it. And another time it comes up like, well, this is really, this is, a, this is an eight to me. And she goes, well, it's only a five to me. So, okay. And so there's no fighting, no arguing. We disagree frequently. You know, you're going to disagree, but it's never disagreeable. It's always like, well, you know, okay, you have a high number. I have a... Right, usually it's like I have a high number on it, or I have a low number on it, and the other person, you know. And, and once you you use the always tell the truth part, you know, you know you're not going to say ten to everything. It works really well. It avoids arguing. In the event of a tie, you have to have a plan. So, you know, what we decided what works best for us is because of the way we were raised, really, and just the basic outlooks of life we we grew up with i decided to let Teresa have all the ties because i'd much rather deal with my disappointment than having to deal with hers it's so much easier for me to get over not having something that i don't get because i'm a huge big dreamer and i dream lots of stuff i don't get lots of stuff i do get too but Teresa's been much more of a pragmatist and a realist in her mind and she dreams dreams of things she knows she can get and she goes and she gets them so if she doesn't get something she's used to getting it's harder for her than if i don't get something because i'm used to not getting stuff so selfishly i guess in a way it's just easier for me to let her have all the ties work it out in your relationship but but it could be really easy there could be a real easy solution and avoid almost all arguing just who's it more important to me or you you say selfish but of course that's the self you find in paradise yeah that selfish yes it's it's a giving loving feeling i feel better about myself knowing that i'm not taking anything important away from her and if it's less important to me or equally important to me then it's pretty important to her so i, I want her to have stuff like that and to me the biggest key to reflective communication is it's got to start with this 
the, the, this is a win-win scenario. We're going to create an outcome we both are really happy with here. And that's, that's the ideal. You've got to begin with the end in mind. That's where we're going to end up. We're going to end up uh, finding something we can agree on together. Yeah. It's not as easy to think of win-wins in a practical sense because we're surrounded by win-lose. You know, is the stock market up or is it down? Uh, did your basketball team or baseball team win or did they lose? Uh, the struggle on the football field or the basketball court. Baseball is different. It goes round and round. I like that. <laughs> but, you know, that back and forth, that seesaw, it becomes a mindset where we think, well, how could there be winning without somebody else having to lose? Somebody here has got to be right, and, well, if your idea is different, you're going to have to be wrong. So bifurcation is a problem. Being limited to what these days is often called binary thinking, it's all black or all white, that's a high-stress mentality. Again, it lacks the savvy necessary to really communicate how you feel and after all if the anger or the hurt is about feelings not thoughts then how could thoughts take you to an understanding when people say well isn't it reasonable to feel da 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 well wait a minute if that feeling were reasonable it would be a thought reason reasoning is a reference to thinking feelings are often irrational. You don't have to have a reason to feel the way you feel. So if you're particularly frustrated by trying to understand your feelings or your partner's feelings with logic, consider that you're using the wrong tool. And people who think that feelings are irrational haven't really thought it through. It's that feelings are non-rational. They aren't rational or irrational. Rational has nothing to do with feelings. There's just no connection whatsoever. Feelings are intuitive. Feelings are heartfelt. Feelings are not logical, rational things. And so to say your feeling is wrong is absurd. Now, to you say you shouldn't feel you that shouldn't way. feel that way is right. absurd. To, to say now the behavior that that fe- that you chose to act upon that feeling with was wrong that you can do. But to say oh you shouldn't be angry because it's illogical. You see you weren't really hurt. You know even if I was only perceived that I was hurt, I still can feel angry, and my anger is still real. You know I was watching on video the other day the blue ray edition of the new star trek i say the new star trek but you know it was really the new old star trek yeah it was really took place before spock and kirk got together and it shows spock as a boy and again i had to deal with this thing that ever since the 60s bothered me about star trek as much as i love it the idea that the spock character had to repress his feelings to manage them demonstrated that as wonderful as this science fiction series was, as as groundbreaking as it really was, this this all-important concept was missing, which is to manage your emotions is to be more sensitive to the emotion, not driven by the emotion, but also not driven by a, a logic. That's what Spock always celebrated. He was very logical. Well, Logic still works when you're emotionally calm. You don't have to repress the feeling. In fact, I would argue that the more repressed the feeling, the more pent up the tension, the less logic. Yeah, I I just think they have that character all wrong. I love logic. I love being reasonable. You don't have to give any of that up to be sensitive to your feelings. But management or control of feelings is not repression or suppression or oppression, but a sensitivity. Moving into the feeling, being sensitive to the feeling, feeling safe in spite of the emotional feeling, to be able to verbalize and name the feeling. And then that's sort of like peeling an onion, like we talked about under the anger, you find all this hurt. Well, no wonder I'm angry. I've been hurt again. Well, what's the hurt about? Well, underneath all the hurt, I see a pattern that goes back to childhood. This must be one of those issues. That we're t- and you peel it and peel it. And that ability to do that, to be that intuitive, again, not a logical process, but a realization. You're not figuring it out. 
it'll unfold before your very eyes if your physical eyeballs are closed and those inner eyes are open in states of deep relaxation, you'll have that aha, that, oh, I see, feeling with that inner eye, the imagination. It's a natural process. Just like your physical body really wants to heal itself, the emotional nature wants up and out. If you would but relax and open yourself the awareness of what these feelings mean, like an artesian spring, just bubbles right up. So coming in with the idea of I want to be understood, not, I'm not, not I need to be right, but I want to be understood, and equally important, I want to understand where you're coming from, coming in with those two pieces in your mind. Then what you do to make one of these conversations work is remembering that you tell the truth and that so that you can feel safe and that you do your best to just see if it's more important to one person than the other. So don't, maybe you don't even have to have an argument here. But if we're feeling emotions that we want to share, it starts with both people getting on the same wavelength by taking a deep breath, relaxing, saying, okay, this is going to be one of those conversations. We're agreeing. We're going to have a reflective communication experience here. Uh, You want to start? I start? Okay, I'll start. And then I say what I feel. I say, I've been feeling, let's say it's angry. I've been feeling angry about the way I perceive you're doing this thing. I'm angry about the way you're not keeping this right or doing this best or whatever. I'm angry about something that I don't think you're doing well enough. It's, and it's bothering me, and it's making me look bad, and it's embarrassing me. And I, so I talk about I'm feeling these feelings, okay? I'm not saying what you should do, what you didn't do. I'm saying I'm feeling these feelings. Now, it makes me angry that I have to put up with this feeling embarrassed and feeling ashamed and feeling all those things because you're not doing the way I want you to do it. I say that. And you respond with... Most people in this situation would respond by defending themselves against what Steve just said. Missing that where he began was, I feel. And so what I want to do now is ask Steve, what do those feelings say about you? I just heard what you believe they say about me. I stimulate or bring these feelings up in you when I behave this way. But we'll we'll get to me in a minute. The proper response is to encourage your partner to continue and talk about what those feelings say about the person feeling them. That's your your job. So as I understand this well, and as you practice it, understand it better and better, you get better at letting go of that tendency to immediately defend against what Steve just said and instead encourage him to continue. But now tell me, what do those feelings say about you? What what can you learn about yourself from the way you felt in that situation? So I go deeper. Let's say the anger is about someone, um, I'll pull something from my memory bank, someone not taking messages from the phone phone calls for me and you know forgetting to give me messages or forgetting to take messages. And I kept doing that over and over again, and they were supposed to do it. That was part of the job they had. And so I got upset and I got angry about how they weren't doing that. So so I, I shared that that behavior uh, was was making me look bad and embarrassing me. And um, so I thought back, well, why does that embarrass me? Why? What's deeper than that? What what made me look? And I remembered that that uh, early, early on in childhood, I remember a time when I was supposed to, my brother was supposed to tell me something really important so I could be somewhere I was supposed to be. And he forgot or blew it off. He was little, I guess. And he just, and it really hurt. I mean, I, like I didn't get to be in this club I wanted to be. I didn't get to be part of this group I wanted to be part of. And because he forgot to give me the message, I made a big deal when somebody doesn't give me a message, something really bad could happen. So in this latest scenario where, for example, I'm talking with somebody, I'm saying, well, it makes me angry that you didn't take this message. It's not because of that particular message I get to get, wow, this is a really hot button for me because of that early childhood. And I'm still carrying a lot of anger at my brother about this. And, a lot, and I'm taking this anger of my brother out on anybody that doesn't remember to do messages for me perfectly. And so I've learned more about me and the experience of doing that. And that's the trick, you see. He, Steve, in this situation, was courageous enough to begin to look for his responsibility in the feeling. 
Now, this is important. It doesn't mean that the blame is now shifted from me making him feel that way to him for being a a bad little boy and forgetting what his brother did to him and where that hurt really came from. It's like you let go of blame altogether. Just let go of it. Blame is irrelevant to understanding. That's We're not interested in finding fault or blame. We're interested in promoting an environment where both people can feel vulnerable and go deeper and continue to feel safe, which allows us to Again, spontaneously realize, oh, well, I can see why, oh, yeah. And Now, before I take my turn, this cycle has to be completed by me playing this back, right? I began as the listener. Steve started as the talker. So to make sure he feels heard and understood and to create a situation where it's even more clear that it doesn't matter whether I agree or not. As long as he feels heard and understood, I can disagree, right? What I want to do is my best at playing that back sincerely and honestly. And as we said before, truthfully, it almost goes without saying that you have to look for the highest quality of truth at all times that you can tell. And that's like say it back from your feelings, not parroting it back word for word. You know, like how did it how did it strike you? What does it mean to you? As well as making sure they understood you heard what they said. So if Steve is essentially done and that's his revelation, then I'm going to play it back to him and say, well, Steve, I understand that you were angry at me because of something I did or said. And now as we talk about it, you're remembering that under that anger is a hurt that goes back to your brother not giving you the messages. And so, of course, I stimulated that when I forgot to give you this message. But if I understand you correctly, you're saying that you feel like the real source of this is really old and goes back to your childhood. So... Do you feel heard and understood around that? Yeah, and, you know, the anger at you was in that scenario was real, but, you know, it, it was overplayed, and I, you know, I amplified it or I put it out of proportion because of this old, you know, wound I had, this old hurt I had. So I'm sure that must have brought up some feelings in you because I, I, I clearly overreacted in that scenario. And then we reverse roles and do the same thing. Now, sometimes when you do reverse roles, issues will come up that are different, and you go, well, wait a minute, I didn't get my input on that one. Like, we're progressing now, right? Or going back in history, and we weren't talking about that a minute ago. So if you feel a need to go back and address that, again, it has to be from a place of personal responsibility for the feelings that are evoked from you. That's your job, not to tell the other person what they did to you so much, but to explain the impact and the feelings that were evoked from you. Get that two-way vision down. You be responsible for you. Let your partner be responsible for them, and then just play it back. So if I had issues here, I could play that back to Steve, and we'd do the same thing in reverse. And so just as a little tip, if you do feel a need to go to a round two Limit the discussion to only that extra issue. Don't go back over stuff you've already been over, okay? Give it at least a day or two afterwards to heal a little bit because you're going to be vulnerable and sensitive. There's a great relief that happens in these kinds of reflective discussions, but you'll also be amazed at the carryover effect and the hours that follow in in the days that follow, it can create a real shift of awareness from yourself as being a perpetual victim of your daily life and affairs to being a co-creator, one who consciously perceives and is aware of all the choices and the opportunities you have to orchestrate the elements of your life. It's a beautiful thing to be able to do this with somebody that you love. I mean, the idea, who's safer to have this kind of discussion with than a spouse, you know, or a parent or a kid? And let me say, though, the additional problem with parents and kids doing this is the implied authority of their parent. That's why having a facilitator in that case becomes even more important. 
just because children are dependent upon their parents and you can't facilitate the kind of equality in that discussion that you can with spouses. So usually two cycles of this will do. doesn't really matter much who begins, but make sure that the other person gets their opportunity as well. Yeah, it's like the time a uh, couple comes into therapy and she's sharing she feels sad and lonely and disconnected and, and hurt and and the therapist turns to him and says, what do you feel? He says, I feel like she's a bitch. You know, he's like, you're not, that's not really your feeling. You know, that's your thoughts. So, so yeah, we have to, we have to make this a two way street to make this conversation. That has to be implied at the outset. You know, it starts with uh, one of us saying with the truth, remember compassionate truth, you know, like not cutting in hurtful truth, but as lovingly as can, we say the truth and we say it from a place of, us is more important than me in this conversation. So what we're looking for is the best thing for the us. So if, if it's a conversation where which one of us is it more important to, and we both tell the truth, and it's more important to you than it is to me, then we go that way, and I feel better. It's in my enlightened self-interest that I made the relationship the us even better by giving you what's more important to you and giving up what's less important to me. That's, that's like, you know, chivalrous. That's like, it feels grand and wonderful to give in that loving way to the us. So the big, what's, what's better for me to get something I want less and you to not get something you want more or better for you to get something you want more and me to not get something I want less. I mean, it's so obvious if it's the us that matters. So in that way, it's in your light and self-interest. It feels better for you to not get what you want, you know, because it gets what the relationship wants. But if it comes down to hurts and angers and, and stuff we need to share, it's got to come down to one person starts, says what they're feeling, the other person says, I I heard you, and this is what I heard you feel, and uh, this is what I'm feeling. Then they go to, this is what I'm feeling, I heard you, I heard this is what you feel. And it's it's easy, it's structured. If there's no name calling and no no sandbagging old stuff and carrying it into this one, and, and just a real clean, this isn't about winning and losing, this isn't about right or wrong, this is about, we know where we're going to end up. We're going to end up closer and deeper to each other. We're going to end up feeling better about each other because we're going to just tell the truth and, about what matters. You know, something that I think couples need to do much more of is spend a little time seeing things through their spouse's point of view, like uh, imagining they're their spouse and walk a mile in their shoes concept, uh, imagining it from their spouse's point of view. Just a little bit of that, I think, really opens your eyes up. I mean, a whole lot to make it easier to create a win-win when you have some kind of concept. Well, you know, I know this person pretty well. You know, I think real differently than they think. Otherwise, we wouldn't be having this conversation. So what is it that they're thinking? What, how did their thinking bring them to where they are in this conversation? And and with my spouse, I can do that pretty well. I think with kids, you can do that pretty well. With parents, you know, not with strangers, but with lots of people that you know really well, you can do that pretty well indeed. So as we move into the audio journey now, I want to hasten to remind you that all of this should be done after spending a few minutes in paradise, in your place of perfect peace. That's why I think timeouts, even if you have a code word that you can use in the relationship to create a time, or just that basketball signal where you make the T with your two hands, like timeout means I need some time to think this through and then feel it out so that I have something to share with you when we get together and do this reflective communication. And that may only be a moment, the moment necessary to say, wait a minute, let me think about that and feel that out for a moment and then take 10 seconds and then maybe you'll, that's all you need or maybe you'll need more time. But understand it's that you do need to stop the cycle. You need to stop like going where you're going and, and say, wait a minute, I need to... I need to check this out. I need to think about this for a moment. It, it might just be a few seconds, enough time to take one breath and realize, oh, wait a minute, I don't like the road I was going down there. Well, unless you're not used to being responsible for your feelings, and we don't know that everybody has to go through a process True. of realizing that feelings come from you, not at you. And True. I, I don't know what the percentages are, but I don't think it's very high. The, the number of people that have had that revelation yet that... I feel the way I feel because of who I am, not what you did or said to me or how you made me feel. Like, well, if they made you feel that way, why did you give them the power to make you feel that way? Think about it. 
An example I often use is to, well, imagine like teenagers are, are playfully poking each other, you know, giving noogies to each other, as Bill Murray used to say. And you tickle your girlfriend three or four times, and all of a sudden she goes, ow, you hurt me, and pushes you away. And you go, what? Wow, what? What did I do all of a sudden? Oh, well, that really hurt. Well, then why didn't the first four times I did that to you, why didn't that hurt? Oh, well, because the last one, the one where you really hurt me, you 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 pressed a bruise that I have here. Only only hurts when you touch it, but ow, that fell back into a doorknob last night. It's all black and blue. You should see it. And then the other one protests and says, wait a minute, then I didn't hurt you. You were already hurt. And the first one says, yeah, but you hurt me. But the other one says, but you were already hurt. I mean, we're all already hurt. If you can make me angry, there's something inside me that hurts. We're all already hurt. Absolutely. And we give the people we love the most access to that through the vulnerability of love. All right? This is part of why love is painful. And and why it's a real good idea to choose as a lover someone who is really good at going to that vulnerable, sensitive trusting, honest, truthful, real place. This is where the work is really done. But at the most fundamental level, you're going to, for for any of this to work, you're going to have to realize that both things are true. Life is done to you, but it also comes out of you. And when it comes to managing your emotions, the primary side is what comes out of you. That's where you begin. Is life then reflected back at you? Well, of course. But let's get the pony in front of the cart. You are a radiant being. The law of attraction works because you are emanating. You are putting out this neural net of magnetism into the world. And now we're talking about facilitating the same thing in communication. So you have to be a team of two leaders, each willing to take responsibility for your feelings for this to work at all. So it starts with, I need to have one of these conversations with you. Are you open to doing that? And then it moves into deciding who starts. And if, and if not now, when? Right, right, good. If not now, when? Some people need more time than yep. others. Yep. Some people got to go. They yeah, got to get out of the house. I'm, I'm in the middle of something now. I can't do it right now. So, yeah, if not now, when? And and then the basic guidelines are we tell the truth as compassionately as we can. We make sure that our partner hurt us by reflecting it back to them and not necessarily agreeing or disagreeing. Again, just, our feelings, not our thoughts. Yeah, just reflecting, I heard you feel this way. I understand that you feel this way. And then I'm feeling this way, and you get that I'm feeling this way. And we go through that, and we have as our focus of doing this, creating this understanding of each other so that we will love each other more, be closer, be deeper, and not fight. You know, this is a way we're going to avoid whatever that thing that was going to cause us to be on opposite sides of the table fighting with each other is going to cause us to realize that we're here together to be on the same side of the table, figuring out how to together deal with whatever this thing is saying, figure out whatever this thing is that we're dealing with. Yeah. This is so cool when it works. It just blows the top of your head off to realize that this really can work. Be careful of I feel that you are, right? Steve talked about I feel that, that is almost always wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, just because you put an I feel in front of a judgment doesn't make it personal. The sentence is still about the judgment that followed and the fact that you stapled I feel on the front is meaningless. It's got to be about you, you see. If the I feel isn't followed by you and your feelings, then it's an irrelevant piece on the front. It's your job is to talk about you, let your partner talk about them, share from a feeling rather than a thinking place, and absolute magic will happen uh, you you end up with this incredible empathy and understanding. You'll still be, maybe if it's a big deal, you'll still be a little raw and a little bit tender. But to have this tool in your toolkit is just so, so wonderful. And then to be able to teach it to other people, to help them calm down 
breathe, relax. Even if the person that's upsetting them or the group or the circumstance isn't there right now, you could do that for a friend. Help them breathe, relax, just as we're about to do. Slow down. Let go of their obsession or fixation on the stimulus, what they're doing to this person. And just ask provocative questions. Well, how does that make you feel? Well, why do you think you feel that way? Well, what do you think those feelings reveal about you, you see? And take them by the hand and lead them deeper and deeper into an understanding of who they are. Because again, all emotional hurt is a symptom of something you don't understand. So to understand yourself is to release the pain, to release that hurt. And to learn a lesson so the next time you see it coming at you, you recognize it a mile away and either face it directly, quickly, nip it in the bud, or maybe sidestep it as irrelevant altogether. I don't have to go through that again. I understood what it said about me, not the long, bony finger that life keeps poking into the middle of your chest. Yeah, it's clearly, it's got to begin with, I feel angry because of what I perceive you did, not because of what you did. You didn't make me angry. The way I looked at, the way I observed, the way I experienced what you did is what caused me to be angry. My my experience caused me to be angry. So it's got to start with that. And then and then sharing those feelings, making sure you're heard and understood. You know, is there something can we agree to disagree? Can we agree to disagree without being disagreeable? Can we make this thing all about how to make us happier, us better, us work closer and deeper together. And and generally speaking, though, whatever this argument is about isn't nearly as important as the big picture of, like, how do we make us closer, deeper, and, and better. So reflective communication, it's sort of a last resort that could become maybe more of a first resort uh, in those areas that are troubled, in those areas that are tender, in those areas where you have frequently in the past had arguments. Start start here. Start with... The sooner um, the better. The sooner the better, yeah. Let's have one of those conversations because we know at the end we're both going to come out feeling good about ourselves because we're going to really give to the other person the greatest gift of all, our, our listening and our understanding. So to be sensitive is to be safe, to close your eyes. Let's say you called for the timeout or your partner called for the timeout or you just knew it was time for a lull in the conversation. You went to your separate corners, so to speak. It doesn't necessarily take a long time. It's all a matter of how easily you make the shift from what's done to you to what's coming from you. Close your eyes now. And begin to feel very safe in your body. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Feel a kind of a melting feeling. As if you're so safe that you can drop the armor. And the readiness for anything. And just uh, maybe remember a time in your life. When you felt really, really safe. And content. And imagine yourself in this paradise place with your spouse or partner or dear friend. And you're going to have one of these wonderful conversations. And you know exactly how it'll end with you feeling closer and deeper with this person you love and know that you've worked something through. You know going in, as you begin, what a wonderful thing you're about to do. So you sit down together, feeling safe and feeling clear. And you know you're feeling safe because all of the fear isn't here. Any fear that you feel know it's not real and with one breath you can release and replace any fear any ego driven any ego driven fear with a sense of calmness and peace and you share what you feel and learn about you and tell the other person only what's true and 
the most compassionate way that you have to say what's there inside your heart. You begin with the truth and you tell it from your heart. And that's where you begin. The really great thing about understanding your emotional feelings in these calm and deeply relaxed states of mind is that it requires no effort. In fact, if you attempt to figure out your feelings, to analyze them or reason your way through them, well, you're right back where you were a few minutes ago. You'll move very quickly into normal awareness and multitasking and all kinds of ideas competing for your attention, and you'll be a victim, most likely, of your feelings again. But if instead you stay in this place by letting go of logic and reasoning and all effort, and just sit with the feeling and watch it, See what it does and where it goes. Give it a color. If this feeling or set of feelings had a color or a texture or a temperature, how would they feel to the touch? And you just allow yourself for a few moments or a couple of minutes to focus gently upon the interior of the emotions that are at stake here. They will speak to you. They will bubble up into your awareness as little mental images, perhaps, or sounds, maybe even voices like a higher self and intuition speaking to you, or maybe even a sensation of aha in your body a realization, almost as if an energy has suddenly charged you and you have that opening sense of, oh, I see. This is how you court and promote your intuition. You simply sit with the feeling and wait for it to speak to you, and you trust it. And know that in these states... Awareness arrives with a sense of confirmation where you know that you know. (laughs) It's like, yeah, that's it. If you don't get the confirmation, then you're just wondering and wandering and maybe moving back toward that waking state. So take a breath and relax. Come back. So that you'll have something to say about you and why you feel the way you do in these situations. That you would love your partner to understand and play back without judging you, without needing anyone to be right or wrong. The goal is simply to understand that you might be then understood. So with that intention at the beginning carrying through to the end. You've been heard and understood and returned that to your spouse or your friend. And know that whatever it is that was there underneath, what whatever the hurt or the fear that you keep, you can now learn how to let it release and replace that space with the feeling of peace. You can... Now that you know what was hurting inside, you can take a deep breath and where that hurt did reside, you can fill that place with a feeling of peace and as you do that, you allow that fear to release and you heal yourself and you find that you heal your body, your spirit, your mind. So give this as a gift and really hear what your partner's feeling and be real clear when you share back what you heard and 
what you now know and let understanding be the goal and let the relationship grow and let go of what you need and think instead more of us and creating loyalty and connection and a deeper sense of trust and and think about how it's best for all concerned that from each of these experiences we take what we've learned and we grow. We grow together as we experience each other and what we feel. Tell yourself it'll be easy to bring those feelings with you gently as you reorient yourself to what you remember to be the space around you. And in just a matter of moments, I'll ask you to open your eyes wide awake, easy to remember what you've realized about your feelings and what you've learned about yourself so you can share them and hear your partner repeat them and reflect those deep feelings. That's all we want. We don't want to win anything. In a sense, this is the classic win-win, to make winning and losing irrelevant. It's understanding we want, an integral part of love itself, love and understanding. Take a breath, inhaling. And as you begin to exhale, open your eyes now, wide awake and alert, rested and refreshed and still sensitive to, oh, yeah, what I realized about the way I felt. So know that this could be a preemptive process. You know, you can see where it's getting bad or we're having hard feelings or we're getting scared or angry and, and start the process of healing right away with this kind of a conversation. It always begins with the idea that we're both going to win. You know, this, is, this isn't about me, me winning or you winning. Nobody wins unless we both win. So the, the concept is I want to be heard. I want to be understood. I want you to be heard. I want you to be understood. And it, it matters most what matters most for us more than me or for you. So with that in mind, we can always begin these conversations from that heart place and not needing to be right or the other person to be wrong, just needing to understand. That's it. And we want to encourage you to share these programs with your friends. You're paying 99 cents a week for these programs, but part of that price includes our encouragement to pass these programs on. They're royalty-free in a sense. Uh, Let everybody know where you found them, and everybody wins once again. You'll feel good about it. And think about this program. Who do you know that would really benefit from hearing this program? Maybe one of your significant partners or a spouse or someone you're in relationship with. I tell you, a marriage is a great place to begin this. To do this with uh, somebody at work, it's it can be really difficult. To do this with a friend. Uh, Steve and I have been friends for 35 years plus. Even that is difficult, but the better you know someone, the easier it is to do this. It's admittedly tough with strangers. But again, even if you never shared it, even if you just did the exercise or an exercise like what we just did and you know now, well, that would go a long way toward making you feel better. Often you don't even have to communicate it to anybody. This works just as well for people who are not in those kinds of spousal relationships, too. It's about understanding yourself. Bottom line, most important issue in this, it seems to me, is that you're not really endangered by what you don't know about others. The stress and anxiety perceived as danger by your subconscious mind is really rooted in what you don't know about yourself. It's that simple, so... Know thyself and then to thine own self be true, I'd say. Yeah, and learn to feel safe with others by telling the truth to thine own self and to thine others as well be true. And, uh, you know, don't sweat the small stuff. Pick your battles. Give up on the easy things. It's like whoever it's more important to, let them decide. It really works out best for everybody. And if one of you is an optimist and one of you is a pessimist, let the pessimist have the ties. It just that really works best for everybody <laughs> concerned as well. Spend some time in your other in your partner's shoes. See the world through the way they see the world. And you know, like I'd like to also recommend a great book, uh, "The Five Love Languages" by Gary Chapman. That's a spectacular book showing how 
some people want to express love and experience love in different ways. So some people like words and other people like acts of service. Some people like gifts. Other people like quality time. And then some really focus on the touch. So find out which way your spouse uh, wants to be loved. Because remember, the real golden rule isn't do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. It's, I think the platinum rule supplants that would do unto others as they would have you do unto them. If you don't know what to give somebody, give them rule of thumb what you want. But if you do know what to give somebody, the better you know somebody, the more you can give them specifically what they want. So we're full circle now. That requires good, high-quality, reflective communication. Thanks again for being with us. We'll talk to you next week. As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. For Steve Snyder, this is Michael Benner. Aloha from Maui, Hawaii.